0: Hello and welcome to MyRN Podcast, the podcast dedicated to providing insight and encouragement to the nursing community. I'm your host, Devin DeBoer. In this uh, episode, I had the opportunity to speaking with Erin Hurd, who is a nurse practitioner in RN. She worked at the Detroit facility, um, working with the COVID patients there. Uh, we discuss um, what went right, what went wrong, Um, at the uh, facility and how things could be improved if there is another surge that requires government intervention to assist local hospitals with the care of COVID patients. And we also talked about how um, it was very unique in the fact that the first time that patients did not have family members able to assist with care, but also support for the patients and how nursing and all the staff were so creative in trying to make it more of a home environment and get access to patients' families as best they could. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for joining in. Why don't you start out with how did you get into nursing in the first half, first part anyways?
1: I have always wanted to be in the medical field since oh. I was younger, and I just kind of knew that I didn't want to be in school over the next 20 years all uh-huh. straight. So I went into nursing instead. Um... I have my master's in nursing, and I also have my family nurse practitioner's degree. Um, I'm also RN first assist, so I assist in surgery also. Um, Yeah, I started out my career 20 years ago in cardiac recovery units. The CVIC did that for three years and then spent the next 16 years in surgery, (laughs) moving up from there. And then I thought that I could do a little bit more. Instead of going the doctor route, I went the FNP route, which is the same thing. I just don't get called a doctor. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm a with. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather be a nurse. So yeah. it, it, I love my profession. So that's about how I got into it. And then from then on, I just kind of moved up in my career. Um, and then my career kind of halted a little bit with the COVID and everybody being furloughed and all that stuff so i kind of went back i went to travel nursing not knowing that i'd be able to get in or not so your company was actually the first company that i had worked with and i really enjoyed working with john oh good so you guys seem really like at least honest and <laughs> not trying to jerk me back and forth with sure. yeah and you guys answer my questions honestly, but um, that's about how I kind of got into the traveling. So, I,
0: can I back up just a second? So you have you're you're a nurse practitioner. Yes. Um, how does that work? That which license are you working under? Can you work under either or then in a hospital setting?
1: No, I work depending on what they hire me for. Okay. Just be working as a nurse. I can be working as an F.A. or I can be working as an N.P. traveling. Um, right now, my job with you guys is basically just as an R.N. But okay. I have background, so I can take more positions than most people. So that's a little bit to my advantage because I do have an O.R. background. I have an E.R. background. I have a critical care background. So that makes me a little more friendly in the nurse realm. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And that's how I got into the COVID. The Detroit thing came, and I was—I'm like, well, not sitting. I, I can't help anybody sitting there. And um, I've ha- I've done ha- Haiti trips, mission trips to Haiti for oh, like okay. I was like, well, this would be looked at as my, I guess, mission trip, except for the fact that I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> how I took the COVID thing. And um, that's how I got started with COVID. But otherwise, I was an RN and an MP.
0: And uh, before we jump into the COVID experience uh, specifically, um, how long were you a nurse before you became a nurse practitioner?
1: I was a nurse for, well, basically 16 years before I took the three years out to do my nurse practitioner. So basically 19 years as a nurse, And then I went to school for three years for my FNP. So I've um, been an FNP for a year. And then I'm a nurse for the rest of
0: Wow. Okay. That was a brave move to switch from nursing to quit. And you had to go, did you take weekend courses? Did you go full-time or do both?
1: I went full-time for three years. And yep, it took a toll. And then now I have to kind of... If I want to get back into the critical care realm of being an NP, I have to actually prove that I can still do the critical part parts because I did family practice for three years. So it's almost like reproving yourself all over again. But that's okay. That's life.
0: <laughs> Take that in stride.
1: <laughs> we always start from the bottom up, right? Nobody ever starts at the top.
0: Yeah, that's a, you want it to be easy, but it's that, sure. all things that are good. That I've learned um, in my 52 years are not easy.
1: <laughs> not, not at all.
0: Yeah. So, um, so walk me through, it's um, early March and COVID is um, exploding on the scene. What were you thinking?
1: Well, I was thinking actually when it was exploding and how I, I was worried um, but I also felt like as a practitioner and as a nurse that I felt like it was almost the second round already that we had our first round back in early November, October, December around there. Really? We How our- so? And nobody really knew about it. Well, um... Around Michigan, a lot of schools air everywhere. A lot of schools were just closing down because there was just so many flus going around, and we weren't able to get it controlled. And everybody was sick, and all there was all those issues. They couldn't. Teachers were calling in. So, I mean, my kids' school were closed down. They literally like a, I think a weekend or four days. Um, And my daughter at that point over Christmas break, got really, really sick. And um, it was a fever that I could not break. And she was sick, like with the congestion, just tired, did not want to wake up, did not want to. So I had Tylenol her and ibuprofen her. And I had thought that it was just the flu at that point, which it was. So I also gave her some Tamiflu. And then I Tamiflued everybody in the family just in case. Well, it, it actually worked the cocktail that I gave her. So I don't know if it was just the beginning and I caught it, but I really feel like that at some point everybody's going to get it. I mean, as a medical person, you can't sit there and say, well, we've got this figured out and we've got that figured out in six months period of time. No, you don't research. You cannot possibly research adequately and have the right trials and have the right information gathered in this many places to make what is actually a correct thing to do and not Um, so I think we should just admit as a medical community that we don't know we don't know how this is you know because from seeing it you can be really really sick or you can just have a few of the symptoms or you could have the symptoms really bad and get over it but I've had personal um, experience. My friend right now, her father is in the hospital with COVID. And um, with what I see is, I really do see that if you are truly immunocompromised, and I don't care if you're young, old, middle-aged, you should be careful. Because um, when you do get it, it does. it is bad. It's not just the top of your lungs or the bottom of your lungs. It's your whole lung field and you're basically drowning. And um, so is there a good way to prevent COVID, I think, from now on? No, I think our world is pretty much changed. Um, and to say that people can give it asymptomatically or you can't give it unless you're symptomatic. Well, that's pretty much with any flu, right? You can't really pass it unless you're sneezing or doing some... But the bad thing about this one is you can be asymptomatic and pass it and not know it.
0: So do you think you had it back in the fall when your daughter had it?
1: Um I think us as medical professionals I think a lot of us will not get it. And the ones that do get it are probably compromised. And that's just my opinion. It's not yeah. anybody else. It's my opinion. And just for the fact that from my colleagues and I talking, we have been through so much between seeing Ebola and AIDS and, hepat- and I mean, we see all kinds of people. So to say that all of a sudden we're heroes because of COVID, well, we were heroes before. So that doesn't really thank you, but it doesn't really... Say it much because we've we've been here as heroes all this time treating you. It's just a matter of now it's a disease that affects everyone, regardless.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Care of you, right? And people are like, are you scared? I'm like, well, I'm scared every day when I go to work. I could be stuck by a needle. I could be. I mean, that's my job. Mm-hmm. So to, am I scared? Sure. And if I wasn't, I wouldn't be good at what I was doing. So I guess my advice to everyone is wash your hands, stay six feet away from people if you can. Wh- I don't know that wearing a mask is really going to prevent anything. If you don't know how to mask, wear it correctly. Or you know oh, it's I mean? the right mask. Uh, or if you're touching your face constantly and then you're pulling it down here, you're, you're not doing yourselves any good. It's almost better, I think, that if you just left it alone as to just social distance. Maybe if you're inside a building in a contained area, maybe you want to wear a mask. But for generally being outside walking around, I, I don't think you're going to prevent any. But again, that's just my opinion and my opinion only. And I want to clarify that.
0: <laughs> you don't represent uh, any particular I, company or <laughs>
1: Hospital, any company, just myself. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> so, what was, um, so you were in Detroit, um, I, and what, you were there like mid March, or when was that that you were there I again?
1: Mid April to mid May. Okay. Uh, that was about the extent of the um, assignment. So, at first, sure, I was pretty scared, not knowing really what was going on, but the further I saw into it, it's like, okay, maybe it's not as horrible as it seems to be. To You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but I personally, when I was in Detroit, didn't see any of the things that other people were saying that they were seeing, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if that, and, and that is definitely a good thing. Um. So I'm kind of conflicted into whether we're scared, you know, like being scared into a disease, then that we have to really be careful or exactly what is going on because we just didn't see the numbers. We didn't see the numbers in the COVID. Um, and I don't know, I worked at the TC, I didn't get to actually work at the TCF center. I was supposed to be at the TCF center. Um, But they ended up having too many people. So then they cut down this. And then I got sent over to the SCS center, which is in Novi. And that was the 250-bed one. And um, honestly, I guess my point is those field hospitals, as you know, from TV, and they were pretty much all empty. From the, fa- I mean, I've talked to colleagues from Chicago where they got paid a lot of money to sit there with three patients. Okay. So I don't know if I'm supposed to even be talking about any of this because of confidentiality.
0: Oh. oh, gotcha.
1: So I can. Yeah, because they made us sign confidentiality statements as to what we can and cannot say.
0: Oh, or take
1: okay. pictures and things like that. Um but I'm I, I'm left to say that I was flabbergasted by some of the things that were, I guess, said by the state of Michigan in regards to PPE, in regards to um, how things were handled between hot zones, cold zones, or warm warm zones, and what they called hot zones which what, I'm
0: like what are those what define those cold hot warm
1: well when you're like when you're in a cold zone that's where you're basically okay and you're free to move about and warm is like okay you're half contaminated you're half not so you're kind of be careful there your hot zone is like you are contaminated okay so there should always be airlocks when you go through well they were talking to the wrong girl when it came to that i'm like There's no such thing as sterility in here. They're like, what? I said, you're having us take our PPEs off in the hot zone to go into the cold zone. So we're basically contaminated when we go into the hot, cold zone. And they didn't understand
0: that. Oh, from your surgical background? Yes. Ah,
1: showing people how to gown and they were like, well, why are you wearing your gown like that? Why are you doing that? I'm like, well, because this is double protection. I said, if you're not going to give me what I'm like that one mask you're going to give me, I'm always going to wear that over my N95. Cause I have to wear that five days, this paper mask you're giving me. It's every day I get to change. Them. So I always keep that underneath my N95 and they were like, well, you're wearing it backwards. I'm like, no, I'm not. You're wearing it backwards.
0: Oh. I said,
1: Outside, the clean one stays on you from the inside that you change every day. You've worn that N95 for five days. Now, you can't tell me five days of breathing into that isn't going to have a little bit of issue. (laughs) They were like, well, it's hot. I'm like, well, I'm surgical. I'm used to it. I mean, and they just didn't understand. I'm like, you guys, that's why I'm I'm just going to do my own thing because I'm not going to get you to understand what a real cold zone and a real hot zone.
0: Okay. I mean if you
1: really watch even TV did it better. Hmm. With the cold zone hot zone situation. I mean if you watch some of the movies including those Ebola movies that used to go out, there is a clear contam decontam and you walk in, right? Well, there needed to be a decontam between the,
0: the hot and the cold. Hmm.
1: I mean, it was just, a, so what? I walked through four empty rooms to get to my lunchroom. So, yeah. And it was just, yep. Yeah. And there were some people fired because they weren't following the rules. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not having this. I'm like, you can't have all these people in the lunchroom going through every box of food to find what they want to eat. No. I'm like, you just contaminated
0: everything. everything. Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: I was actually probably more, and I don't know if I should say this, more scared of some of the people, especially like not nursing wise, they knew better. But the environmental people that are there that are cleaning, just like within the hospitals, do they really know what is going on Mm -hmm. prevent the cross-contamination? And at the end of the day, there's not much you can do unless you're in a sterile environment. To contain that, it
0: mm-hmm. just isn't. Wow. So, what was it? Sorry, I, yeah. I, oh. What was the uh, typical um, presentation of somebody that you had in the COVID unit in Detroit?
1: Um, we had patients that were just fine, that they just tested positive. There was no fevers. No, Um, They came from a nursing home, and we had this one lovely older lady that was there for probably eight days. And she was like, when can I go home? Because, I mean, she didn't show any other symptoms other than the fact that she tested positive. There was no other symptoms. And she was an older lady from um, a nursing home. So we just get her back to the nursing home because she kept testing positive she didn't show any signs she didn't do any of those but she tested positive and um but there's no tvs there's no phones there's nothing for these people to watch so in my world when you if you really do have somebody that's older and that's a little bit you know already not quite there dementia wise they're gonna go crazy they're gonna get icu psychosis from just seeing no sun no tv no people other than these four curtains um so that's basically one typical lady and then we had another fella that you could actually hear him like hear his lungs like he was like drown like drowning the gurgling you could hear him and um but he had a mask on and he had that, and we had all the precautions. But that was the only thing he had was the chest thing. He was on under six liters, he was on two liters, I think, when he came. And, um, but you could tell that, but he was doing fine other than the gurgling and doing all that. And I think as long as you keep those people moving as long as you can before they get to the point where they need support. If you kind of try to give them the CPT treatments and trying to do the proning, if you can, and getting up, getting them up, just moving, maybe walking something to help with those lungs. But it certainly doesn't help when they can't move to, you know, try to clear their lungs. Um, so he was almost on his way out. Um, Because we didn't take anybody that would have to be ventilated. We had very very minimal capacity at those. So we had teams that, you know, if they were to crump, there was an EMT and the team there to take them right back out. So uh, we were ready for that. and the, the other few patients, patients that we had, honestly, they, they were just tested positive from facilities that they were at, oh. and some facilities, you know. And, and I think, I think they, they were expecting a lot of homeless people um, and people that there wasn't, oh, hold on a second. You're okay, no worries. really any of those uh, to be. So, um, I'm sorry. Where was I at? My dog doesn't
0: Uh Symptoms of the COVID. You were walking me through the different patients.
1: Yeah. Um, most of the other people that I had, honestly, they were just tested positive. Like there was this younger gentleman and he had, um, he was mentally disabled. So there was a hard time keeping him quiet and down and, um, but there was no other issues with him either. So it was almost like the field hospitals were used as symptom controllers, you know, to see if they were going to turn. And if they do turn, then we ship them out was more okay. of how that worked. But um, and from what I saw, the, like the COVID testing centers, all of that, there there was no lines. There was no people waiting. I mean, most of them were empty. So... I'm from my standpoint of what I saw, I'm conflicted mm-hmm. as to what was reported and what I saw. And I'm not saying that other people didn't see things differently because mm-hmm. they were in, you know, but from what I saw, it really, like I said, if you got it and you are immunocompromised and older and you just happen to have hit it right at that time, you're going to get it, and it is bad. I mean, and we're looking at people with peep pressures of up in the teens, and you don't see that as, you know. The highest, really, I've seen in it, maybe five of peep. You know, these are people are at, like, nine, ten, and we're trying to wean them off. I'm like, well, you can wean oxygen all day long, but if you can't wean them off the peep, you're not going to get them off. Because if they need that much pressure, you're not going it's to... You're not going in. Yeah. So... <clears throat> yeah, what, so
0: how very, hard was it on the patients Like uh, that they couldn't see family, they couldn't do... How hard that, was that on patients and on you?
1: It was hard because there was no communication. All we had was basically iPhones. We had hundreds of iPhones ready to go. So the family could call in... Like to the central phone, and then we could patch it up. We would give them the number to the nurse. Okay. And then the nurse would talk to them. Or if the patient was capable enough or coherent enough, we just let them have sign it out out a phone for them, like an iPhone. That way they can watch TV. Like one of the older ladies, it was a small screen, but she loved her NCIS. (laughs) So we put the app on, and we put my, you know, everybody, between all of us, we had, like, Prime or Hulu
0: or something. Right, yeah. So we
1: did let her watch, you know, her TV. So we did the best we could to try to keep them, you know, um, comfortable as much as they can be. Some of them had their own, so that was good, the younger ones. Um, But there were showers. There were, you know... We fed them, not that it was the greatest food in the world. Cause you know, we're, but it was decent and, um, yeah, they were pretty bored. They missed their family. Nobody can go in, nobody can go out. They can't, you know, we didn't want them bringing in stuff. Mm-mm. That was the issue. That was another hard issue is that we don't want you bringing in anything. That's yeah. And then, um, other than that, I think the, if there were more things to do for them, it would have been probably a little easier stay for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think it was especially harder for the younger ones, not so mm-hmm. much the older ones, because there's really nothing to do.
0: Did you allow them to walk outside of their room, so to speak? Like, was yes. there an area that they could walk?
1: Well, yes, because the whole is open, basically. Okay. All right. So there were just ba- uh, shower curtains, kind of, or whatever kind of curtains you want to call it, separating the rooms. Um, I could probably send you a picture of how it was. Hmm. Rooms were allocated. I did take pictures of that. And there was no patients in there, so you can feel free to probably look at that. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much about it on the family aspects.
0: Do you think that... Um... Our response as a, a state slash country, the government involvement. Um, do you? It's so hard to say. You know, you're you're trying to respond as appropriately as possible. Did they over respond? Did they? Did we over capacitize the whole thing, or what? Or was it right on target for what was projected? What do you think? Well. Or can't you comment? That's fine, too.
1: No, I can comment. I just feel like that... Now, this is not a political thing where I'm, I'm not for or against Trump, but I think that he made the right decision to not let people into the country. I think that was actually a good decision because we didn't know what was happening. Um, so in that aspect, I don't think we moved too early. Um, when it came to... The field hospital.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking more along that line, the healthcare response, I guess.
1: I feel like that if it was as bad as it was, we would have taken more patients in the field hospital. You know what I mean? Hmm. Make it less. I guess my response would have been: I would have allocated all the critical stuff to. The field hospitals and kept the hospitals open for the general pop public so that we didn't have but that's my view of because then you would have had all those people contained in one area mm-hmm. the covid patients in one area instead of having them in all different areas in the hospital you could have had the er you could have had an icu part and a step down in that thousand bed facility that you opened up okay and where were all these ventilators that people said were coming, you know, or where that was being allocated. So if those are being allocated, I thought if you, I get it, you keep the ones that you need in the hospital, you allocate everything else to the field hospitals, that way you have capacity there, take care of the worst of the worst patients, and then you keep the hospital safe, where people can still do their procedures and still do their stuff so that, Mm. so I think our response in that aspect was kind of back ass and that you should have taken all the, what we call dirty patients, sent them out and had the people that were, you know, clean and uncontaminated in the small hospitals. It was that big of a mass of people that infl- I mean that took up every hospital that was around the city. Then the thought would be behind setting up a field hospital for all of that to contain it and keep it out of a certain area. But instead, we saturated all the hospitals around the area so that every major hospital had issues, you know. So in that, that aspect feel like we could have planned a little bit better on that. So maybe if there is a third wave, like they're saying, maybe they'll try to do that instead.
0: Yeah, on that note, um, do you think there should be a kind of a field hospital response in, in let's say, the fall? Or should it just be uh, government steps in, supports, whatever? No,
1: they are expecting another third wave. I think that they should set it up. Not so, you know, I don't think you need a thousand. You can always add, you know what I mean? Sure. But to yeah. all of a sudden say you need a thousand beds. Well, we don't know that. You know, that's a lot of people to allocate and then turn around and say, well, we don't need you after you make plans to be somewhere for yeah. months. And they're like, oh, we don't need you now because we were overzealous. Yeah. So I would think that they would put little field hospitals around the major cities put ventilator capacities in those so that if it hits again those people can go to the field hospital our major hospital could stay open and do what we need to do especially now that if we say that we're prepared and we have the masks and we have all those and it's in preparation i don't know why we couldn't switch that around and allocate a field hospital for that and keep our system going with regular patients there and surgeries.
0: But if we can keep the regular, the regular hospital system going, that would be huge for the hospitals. I don't know if hospitals can, I mean, he just got through with a huge hit. They're just hurting.
1: Well, what I'm saying, if they can literally, that's the only way I see our hospitals continuing to work is, is, if this comes around again, is to set up a field hospital where we can take those people, where we can get them out of our hospitals so that we can continue to see regular patients and to see, you know what I mean? You can have a clinic set up that's an outside clinic for COVID clinic. You don't, for, I mean, and keep your regular family practice and all those people doing your family practice stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I love telemed, you can't do a physical exam over a telemed. It's called a physical exam. for <laughs> I have to physically touch and see. The
0: yes. I mean, yeah. point,
1: this hurts, well, I can't see that. Uh-huh.
0: What I can't so, feel it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think that we're, a lot of people, I think, are trying to use what has happened to, like, venture out and kind of like do more telemed medicine. That's mm. great. But still, I don't know. I mean, even for a sinus infection, I can look at you and say, well, you don't look like you have a sinus infection. You know what I mean? I have to be able to tap you and see if you hurt. I mean, when am I going to say? Hey, tap yourself and see if it hurts.
0: Yeah. Define hurts. Is it sore or, you know, it's like.
1: Like, what are, what are you looking at? I mean. Yeah. So, Yeah.
0: It's I had weird. a for work I had to have a physical after the COVID, so they called me and I was the my doctor was like, It it was good for some things, but other things it just doesn't work. Like there was she's like, You know how hard it is to figure out a rash on when you can't That's see I was it? Say. She's like, I can't with and then you got somebody holding the phone at an angle, you're like, Back it up, no, bring it closer. It's like, I'm just guessing.
1: Yeah, I- <laughs> Well, then it's like, oh, maybe it's scabies. Maybe it's this.
0: Maybe it's that. Uh, So you were saying Um, let the... We were just discussing what works on telemed and what doesn't work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, rashes are hard. I'm like, is it a sandpaper rash? Is it like between... uh, Is it a poison ivy? Is it a poison... I don't know.
0: So, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: it is difficult. She's definitely correct in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. would you, um, venture out and if, let's say we do have a third wave and there was an area that got hit hard, would you, would you jump on and do it again? Absolutely. Cool. Good.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, I've always been the type that, what did I go into medicine for if I'm just going to sit back when something mm. happens? mm So, um, I mean, I I personally feel like that if you went into the medical field, you already knew that you were in for some type of somethings. And people are like, well, if the vaccine comes out, are you going to get it? I'm like, by choice, no. I said, but I guarantee you my work will make me get it. So it doesn't matter. So by choice, no, I won't get it. But I'll end up getting it. And I'm yeah. like, and I'm pretty sure that we won't have a vaccine anytime that works. Really? I don't think so. I think huh. we're at least two years out. Really? I don't care. Everything is, I feel like that everything is, I mean, unless they've got everybody in the world working on it. But if you look the trend has been oh we tried this and oh no 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 now now that, that doesn't work and we're going to try this and no 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 this doesn't work and we're going to try this and i'm like how about we just admit to the fact that we really don't know at this point and we're trying to figure it out i think that's the best answer to give people instead of saying well it's this well it's that we don't know that what's we the
0: what's, write it in. yeah what's the normal life cycle to develop a vaccine isn't it like a year at least
1: At least. Otherwise, we vaccines for, you know what I mean? For, to develop the right, and it's ever-changing. That's why your flu vaccine doesn't work all the time on certain, because it's ever-changing. It only does so many types of flu. It only does so many types of, that's why in the world of medicine, there's like different types of medicine that works on Even allergy medicine, you know, one may work for another person, whereas another one doesn't. One takes care of 10 anti-inflammatory response and the other one takes care of one or two. So it's a matter of choices of medicine. And I think really at the end of the day, what works for one may not work for another.
0: Hmm.
1: Like any med is how I feel about it. So you can't say, I I just don't think that you can firmly say this one cocktail works for this particular thing. I mean, just like the Tamiflu, it lessens your symptoms. It doesn't cure your symptoms. It doesn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. So, and right now, if they are saying that it's viral and it's causing this, what antibiotics is going to work virally? Unless it becomes a bacterial, at the uh, end of the day, is the antibiotic really working? And then are we really creating another antibiotic resistance if it
0: doesn't Mm.
1: work? I mean, there's a lot of questions that people are probably looking at me like, who are you and why are you asking all these questions? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Time, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've spent 20, was it 20 years in the nursing field? so. (laughs) I know a thing or two. <laughs> yeah.
1: So just I'm like, hey, I'm just going to go with the flow. People are like, aren't you scared? I'm like, well, if we haven't learned anything from this, it's like you can be scared. It's still going to come and get you.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: But you look for today because you don't know what tomorrow may bring.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so you don't have any other uh, underlying health concerns that would put you at a higher risk than as a health professional. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. No. That's good. Um let me go back to um your initial training. Where did you get your training for your surgical nursing that you did?
1: Um at memorial. Uh, the you just transfer into different departments basically once you get your RN.
0: Memorial where? Sorry? Memorial
1: Hospital of South End.
0: Oh, okay. It's a All two right.
1: trauma. Center. Okay. Um I basically got in as just a nurse, and then with experience in the year, I applied for an F.A. position, and then they put me through school for the F.A. position, which is a certificate. Um, that's how I became a surgical. But I got my nursing degree, my uh, baccalaureate from Bethel College.
0: Oh, yeah, in Indiana, I, right? Goshen, right? Uh,
1: Bethel is in Mishawaka. Mishawaka, okay. Goshen. I graduated from Goshen with my masters. Oh wow! So, yeah, that's in Go- yeah Goshen College. Okay. I graduated with my masters there. Um, yeah, and that's how I began
0: doing that. Wow! And are you a um, night shift, day shift? Do you flex with either? You have a preference?
1: I'm a night person. I do. I can do anywhere from I can do days. I can do evenings. I can do
0: 12 hours.
1: I can do 10 hours. I prefer 12 hours because that gives me four days off. Um, but then yeah. it depends if there's call or no call. So,
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And I always like to ask uh, people with experience, such as you, um, if somebody's thinking about going into nursing, um, what would you tell them?
1: um at this point I would say unless you really really love it don't go into it thinking that you're it's the money because it's it's hard um honestly I don't think that nursing programs now teach um enough clinical hmm. okay they teach too much books I think they emphasize too much on the, baccalaureate and master's program that you have to be a baccalaureate and well that's great that we can write papers and push papers, but you've got to be able to push drugs and know drugs and read the patient also. It's not all about the books is what people don't understand. It's like you gotta match the number with the patient. You know? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. the thing says a Sicily and he's sitting there talking to you, he's not a Sicily, right?
0: <laughs> right? You have to use and your the- filter, right?
1: I'm like you have to like look at the patient don't just look at a number because the number will lie
0: It's like the pulse ox saying 82 and the guy's talking to you and he's not pallid he's not short of breath and you're like well obviously this is wrong right yeah right
1: exactly So it's like and if you're counting on your pulse ox to tell you whether your patient's crumping or not you're too late Because mm-hmm. that's like the last thing you want mm-hmm. So if you really want to check if somebody's asthmatic or really has a lung problem try to do a spirometry, it might work better Mm
0: -hmm. to
1: test it out. Um, But yeah, that's how I feel about that.
0: (laughs) And where would you have the new grad nurse start? Um, Would you have them do the traditional med surge, kind of get a broad view first, or what would you suggest?
1: Actually, I would really suggest a program where they put them through the paces, like a semester of med surge, a semester of critical care, a semester of labor and delivery, like, all the stuff that they would want to, you know.
0: Do the, they have those these days?
1: They no longer have that kind of program. Uh. They should definitely have those programs where, you know, you do certain amount of book work. But, yeah, you learn to work with the, you go to the hospital, you work eight-hour shifts. That's your clinical. You know, clinical these days, unless you want to put effort into it, I don't feel like it's much. You get a day or two in clinicals. In a semester of whatever, you don't really learn much from that, and that's how I feel about it.
0: But do there is there hospitals that will hire somebody to like like float rotate through those systems? Then like start out med surge, go to ICU, go to labor and delivery. Did they do they that?
1: They have their own float pool, but you have to be pretty good to be in a float pool.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Because ACLS certified. I mean, because if you're floating to every, you know, different types of floors that they need you to as a nurse, you're better know your stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Unless it's just, you know, I guess you could have critical care floats and then you can have regular med surge floats. And I guess there's different type for different. Um, sure. t- mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
0: Hmm. Um, anything else you want to comment about, uh, about the whole COVID experience, anything recommendations for us for the fall for the third wave or whatever they're calling this wave? Yeah,
1: I think that I honestly think that we are, yeah, they think it's the second wave. I think it's the third wave and I really don't think, I, I think you're going to see a higher number of positives um, because I think more tests are readily available now mm-hmm. and I think there were positive people to begin with. It's just that we didn't have the capacity to test anybody. So I think a lot of people are just, it's going to be like anything else. I think after a while, and you're going to build up a uh, immunity to it and what the medical community they like to call it is the, you know, herd immunity where everybody gets it. That's what they want is basically everybody to get it so that we're all immu- immune against it. But, um, But I have a feeling, honestly, that that is what's happening, that you're going to see people that are positive, but they're not going to show any signs or symptoms. Now the only question is, can they pass it to you with no signs and symptoms? Because if it is signs and symptoms, if you have the signs and symptoms, and that's the only way you can pass it, they're saying then I guess you're okay if you have no symptoms. Yeah. So I guess it really depends on how you look. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> yeah. Switching gears, I hear you have a um, – is there a Munson opportunity you're considering?
1: There is a Munson opportunity. Oh, cool. And um, they just came back, and they are not willing to pay for – what I mean – it it's a certain amount of money just to live up there.
0: Oh yeah, I was I lived in and, Petoskey, so oh know. yeah.
1: So I'm like, no, you have to actually make it worth my while to get up there. And John's and I, and I'm like, you know what? I'm confident that they'll either take me or they won't. But I'm not willing to go at that price. They know what I'm worth. I've already spoken with the director. They know my They know my capabilities in the OR, and I can do all the services that they've asked. So I'm like, John, just trust me. They're saying, well, we have tons of other people in line. I'm like, well then let them get the tons of people in line.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause I think they're bluffing you. There you go. They're not. Okay. There's other opportunities I'm willing to wait for. So there
0: you go. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that approach. And, um, yeah, there are certain companies that, um, I really enjoy working for and others. I rather not, but, um, and I always trust that, that the right opportunity is going to come along, you know? So I, I trust that. And I honor that. That's yeah. true.
1: I'm like, you know, I know what I'm worth and I know my capabilities and from what you're telling me and reading me, you don't have the people, you're just starting it. So if you have people lining up for that price in Petoskey, go ahead, let them take it. I yep. guarantee.
0: Mm-hmm. So. yeah.
1: Yeah. But hoping we'll yeah. see.
0: So Let's see what they're back at yeah. Have you done anything in between the COVID and this?
1: Um, I have not actually just taken a break. Um, my hospital wants me to go back PRN and work there, but um, I don't know if I can fulfill their PRN if I take a travel position, and I don't know if they're willing to hold that. So I'm just kind of sitting back right now, seeing what's going on and yeah. living day. <laughs>
0: well, Yeah, every day is a gift, isn't it?
1: It, Well, it kind of is between, you know, the rioting and the COVID and all sorts of stuff going on in the world. I don't even know what's going on.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's like, yeah, live one day at a time and just try to be happy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. So you have how many children? I have two
1: children, a 13-year-old daughter and a a 17-year-old son. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So you have to make it worth your while to go up there because yeah. they're not, Cause no. yeah. yeah, yeah. So
1: I'm leaving my family behind to do this and I don't mind doing it and they don't mind me doing it. It's over the summer and they can always come see me, oh, yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm not going to pay $5,000 in rent and have you pay me that. I don't think so. Right. So I wouldn't even make it worth my while unless I'm just working to pe- play and I'm not working to play.
0: No. <laughs> You do that at home
1: <laughs> exactly
0: yeah. oh well thanks for your time erin appreciate well, it so no much problem. yeah this is awesome well thank you for interviewing me yeah i appreciate yeah.
1: it you're working with you guys
0: yeah we well, take care Aaron. you too bye-bye, bye-bye.